Good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, South Bay Community Church. Thank you so much for joining us on a, on a wet and cold Sunday morning. And uh, all of you who are watching online, we, we are so glad you're out there. I suspect that maybe a few more people are watching online this morning than are here, but we've got a great crowd. And uh, we thank the Lord for the rain, for the gift of the rain that we, we've needed so much in our, in our, um, in our, in our state. Well, um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, we, when it gets to be 60 degrees, we're, we're freezing. We're just cold, and, and it gets cold in the, in the house, and we got to pile on the blankets. Well, I don't know if you saw the front page of the New York Times uh, this week. It was from Monday. I don't read the Times, but Lorraine Shimabuk, uh, Shimohara emailed me a copy uh, of, the, of the front page. And on the front page, I'll put it up here for you, is a photo of the city of Irpin, Ukraine which is where Pastor Igor's seminary is located, just about 10 miles outside of Kiev. And as you can see here, it's completely blanketed in snow. I check the weather there. I check it quite often uh, to see how they're doing, but the weather is about, at night, it's in the 20s. And so imagine no heat in, in your apartment, and it's in the 20s. I mean, it's out, it's 60 degrees outside, and inside our house, it's 60 degrees, and we pile on the blankets, and we've got the heaters running. And imagine not having any heat when it's 20 degrees outside. That's really crazy. Recently, The Voice of America published a story, and the headline was titled, Key Readies for Brutal Cold Dark Winter. And of course, you know all about that because Pastor Igor told us all about that when he was here just recently. And you gave generously, more than above and beyond, uh, to help him purchase. He needed $15,000 to purchase a wood-burning stove for his, so that he could heat up his church, so that they would be a place of warmth, a refuge of warmth for, for his people. And I'm, I'm happy to report that the, just recently they received that heater. This is it right here. And they're now, and, and thanks to you, really, you paid for every, every penny of that. And now they're in the process of installing it. And this week, he let me know that there are some additional costs because I keep asking him, what else do you need? What else do you need? Because we've got, you know, a lot of resources that you've provided. And he said that they need, they need to install heating ducts, purchase and install heating ducts and buy hot water heaters so that they can have hot water in the church and pipes and they need to buy a lot of wood because it, this fuels this, it's not creating any smoke at all. But I don't know how they do that. But, but, and so I told him that we would send him some additional funds. So we're going to send him an additional amount this week, probably around $10,000, so he can do that again. All that is because of you. All that is because of your generosity. And, and I know he, know he and Lena just praise the Lord for you, and, and so do I. Well, as you know, we've been in a series here called uh, Who's My Neighbor? And uh, we plan to wrap this series up next week. And, and in this series, we've been taking a look at, uh, a close look at our responsibility to the people around us because Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, several weeks ago, Pastor Greg uh, spoke about the responsibility that we have to, to fatherless children, to orphans, uh, and even foster children, children who've been removed from their homes for various reasons. And, and I just want you to know, we are, we've been so heartened by your response to... Um, adopting and fostering. And, and I know not everyone's going to do that, but just your response has been so heartwarming to us. And the passage that he used uh, to speak uh, on that topic was James 127. And I'm going to put it up here for you. And it says this, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Pure religion is this, visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. 
All right, so as you can see from this passage, religion that is pure and undefiled cares for orphans and widows. And he really unpacked this and helped us understand our, our responsibility to, to orphans. Well, today, I want to tell you about that second half of, the, of this verse, and that would be widows. And I think you're going to be really surprised. I think you're going to be really surprised at what you learn. And so at the outset, I want to say this. I want to say this, that this is an important issue for the church. This is an important issue for the church because it impacts every one of us. Every single one of us. My guess is that the percentage of people in our church who will adopt and or foster is probably in the single digits. Maybe 2%. Maybe 3%. I wish it was higher. But the number of people in our church who will end up adopting and fostering children is very, very low. 2% maybe. But if... But... Um, but... If 50% of the church, people in our church, if they're married, and I think it's fair to say that at least 50% of the people in our church are married. Half of you are married. It, it may be more than that. If half of you are married, 100% of you who are married will one day experience widowhood or widowerhood. You will experience that sometime in your life. The fact is 100% of married people will experience widowhood hood or widowerhood. And that means, and, and, and that is, of course, unless the married couple dies at the same time, which happens on occasion, car accidents, for example, but it's very rare, right? It's very rare. So it might be 99.999% of the people who are married will experience widowhood or widowhood. That means that one day, Cheryl or I will experience widowhood or widowerhood. Pastor Greg and Monica will experience that. Pastor James and Darren will experience that. Pastor Dan and Suzanne will experience that. Pastor Caleb and Catherine will experience that. Everyone who's married will very likely experience that. And not only that, not only that, every child, and we're all children, right? We're all, every single one of us is a child of, of our parents. We will all experience, if you haven't already, what it's like for a parent to lose their spouse and to become a widow or a widower. And it can't, so this topic can't help but affect our lives. It's affected mine. It affected mine when my mom became a widow in 2010. And uh, because it's such an important topic, I wanted to show you what God's word has to say about this. So grab your Bible, and I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. That's where we'll start. You can also open up our app. If you don't have it, you can get it at the Play Store or the, or, uh, or the Apple Store, South Bay Community Church. Just look that up. And, uh, and you can follow along, take notes, because I think you'll um, learn a lot today. So before I get started, let me open up our time in a word of prayer. And, we'll, and, and I just want you to know, uh, we have a team, and we'll pray for them at the end uh, as well, but we have a team headed up to Paradise, uh, California, to help with the, with the repairs of, of, because of the fire. And uh, they just made it over the grapevine, and they're on past Bakersfield, so we're thankful for that. And... Uh, we're just so thankful that we got folks in our church, even when it's raining, they're, they're out there wanting to serve the Lord. That's the heart of our church, all right? So let's, we'll pray for them as well, all right? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for bringing us together today, even on this cold and wet Sunday morning. Father, it's so good to be here. We, are, we, are, we feel the warmth of your presence here, feel the warmth of fellowship and the love 
of, of your saints. And God, thank you so much that we can gather like this. And I know that all across, across the world, on the other side of the world, our beloved friends, Igor and, and Lena, are suffering through as they try to care for their people. They're suffering through a very cold winter. And Lord, we pray his prayers, his request has been that they would have a very warm winter. And so, we, so Lord, we lift that up because you are the God of the rains. You are the God of the sun. You are the God of the snow. And we ask, God, that you would bring warmth to the nation of Ukraine. We pray that you'd bring a, an end to that war. And Father, we pray that you would bring protection and be their protector and be their, be their refuge and strength in all that they do. Thank you for our church, God, and for the opportunity to serve them and to be their neighbor, even though we're on the other side of the world. And Father, thank you for our team headed up to paradise at this very moment. We ask God for your continued protection over them as they drive up and show to these folks up there what it means to be a good neighbor. So Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for this morning. I'm excited to bring your word, and I pray, Father, that your word would speak to us, and your word would enlighten us and change us forever and for good. So thank you, Father. We commit this morning to you. Bless us now. Bless us even as we're watching from home. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you see them? Do you know who they are? They sit among us in the congregation, sometimes at the heart of the body, sometimes on the fringes. They worship on Sundays and gather for Bible studies. Some come to events and activities hoping that maybe if they come enough and do enough, they will start to belong. You're part of the church, we say. They smile and nod. How they desperately want to believe that it's true. True that they belong. True that the local church feels like home. Truly among brothers and sisters in Christ. Truly no longer invisible as they are every place else they turn. But if we are honest, too often this is not true for those among us who are widows and widowers, orphans and strangers. They feel so alone in life and even in the body of Christ. This piece was written by Pastor Reggie Osborne who, uh, for a ministry called Desiring God. And I wanted to begin by reading it to you because when I read it, it just gripped my heart. It was so powerful, I thought that describes the nature of what it might be like to be a widow or a widower. They sit among us. They smile and they nod, hoping to belong. But do they really? On Monday of this week, an elderly woman who called our church, she said she attends our church, called the office with a special request. She wanted to know if there was anyone in our church who would be willing to pick her up and bring her to church. And if there was anyone in our church who would be willing to take her to doctor's appointments, take her to the grocery store, because she said she's gotten to the place in her life where she can't drive. She said Uber doesn't work for her because she needs assistance getting into the car and getting out. And she says, I have a car, so you can use my car, but I just need help. That was the message she left us. What do we do? I don't know anything about, else about her. I didn't take the call. I don't know how old she is. I don't know whether she's a widow. I don't know if she has any family. But her plight is common to someone who might be a widow. 
that as you get older, you want to belong, but you need assistance. You can't make it on your own. So what is the church's responsibility to widows? Well, I hope you're in 1 Timothy chapter 5. You can turn there again. But for half of the chapter, actually it's more than half this chapter, it's all about widows. And I want to just start with the first verse on, on widows. And, and it's very short. It's only six words. And here's what it says. 1 Timothy 5 verse 3. Paul wrote, the apostle Paul wrote, honor widows who are truly widows. That's the beginning of this whole entire section. Honor widows who are truly widows. Now let that sink in for a moment. Honor widows who are truly widows. What does that mean exactly? Well, at first glance, Paul seems to suggest that someone who is a widow may not really be a widow. That's kind of what I get from reading this, which begs the question, well, then what is a widow or who is a widow? Well, I've always thought that a widow is someone who lost her husband when he died and, and who hasn't remarried. And indeed, that's what a widow is. I looked, I looked it up in the dictionary, and the dictionary says a widow is someone whose husband has died and she hasn't remarried. Well, as you probably know by now, if you've been here, you know that the New Testament was written in the Greek, and the original language uh, was written in Greek. And the Greek word for widow is kera. It is kera. I'll put that up here for you. And kera means bereft, or it means to be robbed, or to have suffered loss, or to be left alone. That's what widow means in Greek, kera. Here's what's interesting. Kera doesn't refer, just refer to someone who lost her husband because he died. It also refers to a woman who lost her husband because he divorced her. It also refers to a woman who lost her husband because he deserted her. She would also be considered a widow. The one who got divorced would also be considered a widow. So the Greek definition of the word widow is much broader than our English definition. And thus, a true widow, according to scriptures, is someone who's been bereft for any number of reasons, not just because her husband died, right? Quite different from our English um, understanding of the word widow. And so what did Paul say our responsibility is to someone who is a widow? Well, he said in verse 3 that we are to honor them. Greek word for honor is timao, and it means to care for, or it means to treat graciously or to show respect. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by providing for her financial needs. That's the implication of this verse, that we are to provide for her financial needs. And the idea for providing for widows goes back to the time of Moses when he said this to the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 24. I'll put it up here for you. It says, when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Verse 20, when you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, that would be the orphan and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. See, in this passage, Moses told the Jews to provide for widows and foreigners and, and orphans, but for the widows by letting them glean from the fields so that they won't go hungry. He said in verse 20, when you beat the olives from your tree, do not go over the branches a second time. In other words, when you harvest your crops, don't be a pig, 
right? Don't be a pig. Don't hog all the harvest for yourself. Leave some for the widows and the orphans and the foreigners. And by doing this, you will be providing for their needs. And why was this important? Because widows were among the neediest and the most helpless in society. According to Hebrew culture, women were not the providers. They were not the breadwinners. Obviously, children weren't either. The men were the breadwinners. The men were the providers. And that's why it was so important in Hebrew culture for every woman to be married so that she would have someone to protect her and to care for her and to provide for her. And then if her husband died, she would be in big trouble because the one who was her protector and provider would be gone. And it didn't help that back then in the day, in that day, there wasn't any life insurance for the woman to collect. There was no Social Security, no Medicare, no Medi-Cal, no Section 8 housing. She couldn't go to the county and apply for welfare or for food stamps. And so when her husband died, a widow was in big trouble. And she was all on her own, just like orphans. And thus, when Paul said, honor widows, he meant that we, the church, must provide for their financial needs. R.C. Sproul put it this way. He said, when Paul tells Timothy to honor widows who are truly widows, he's not speaking primarily of an attitude, but of an action. And that is to say to honor widows is to support them financially, unquote. John MacArthur said something very similar. He said, quote, when Paul says honor widows, he has in mind not just respect and not just regard, but he has in mind financial support. That basically means they cared for you when you were young. You care for them when their need arises in their old age, unquote. That's what it says. And by the way, you, will, you, you might have noticed that Paul didn't say honor widows and widowers. He didn't say that. He said, just honor the widows. Don't honor the widowers. He didn't include the widows because if a man lost his wife, he could still go out and work and provide for himself because he was the breadwinner. He was the provider. But the widow couldn't do that. So get this. The Bible says that the church has a financial responsibility, a financial obligation to take care of the widows. You can write that one down if you want. The church is responsible. It's on us. Right? It's on us. Now, before you go out and start telling everybody that our church has given away money to widows, all right, take a look at verse 5. Because Paul adds two caveats to the, or conditions. 1 Timothy 5, verse 5. Paul wrote, she who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Paul said that Someone who is truly a widow is someone who sets her hope on God. That's what he said. In other words, she's a believer. And not a believer name only, but, but a, a believer who takes her faith seriously. She, she is a woman of God. It says here she prays night and day, lifting up supplications. She looks to God to supply all her needs. And thus, Paul said that we're to provide financial support to widows who are believers to widows who are Christians, we are to help Christians. And his teaching is cons consistent and is confirmed for us in Galatians 6, 10, when Paul wrote, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. In other words, your first priority, the church's first priority is to help believers, to help people in the family of God. Now, that doesn't mean the church shouldn't help someone who is not a believer and someone who's outside of the church. It doesn't necessarily mean that. 
But our primary responsibility is to come to the aid of a widow who is left all alone, who happens to be a Christ follower. Second caveat is found in verses 9 through 15, which we don't have time to get into today. But you can do this for your homework for this weekend. You can read it tonight. But if you read the entire section, you'll notice that the financial support, that financial support for widows is reserved to those widows who are only 60 years and up, 60 and up. If you're 60 and below, then you're exempt from this. It is not, this financial support is not to be given to younger widows because Paul said they should go out and remarry. All right, so that's the uh, admonition, the scriptural admonition here. And so Paul said financial obligation is for, uh, to, uh, to, to widows is for believers and for those who are 60 and up. All right, got that? So we have an obligation. Get out your wallets. Get out your checkbooks. Make sure you got money in your Venmo account. Now take a look at verse 4. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. Okay. You can put your wallets away. You can put your checkbooks away. Because in this verse, Paul said, if you're a widow and you have children and you have grandchildren, it's their responsibility to take care of you, not the church's responsibility. It's their responsibility. So you can write this one down. Children and grandchildren are responsible. They're responsible. And it's the widow's children and grandchildren's responsibility to care for her, to provide for her. And notice, notice what Paul said in this verse. He said that it is an act of godliness. It is godly to care for your mother or grandmother who is a widow. It pleases God for you to care for your, your mother or grandmother who is a widow. And all I can say is Pastor Coy's wife, Rain, has got it made. She's got it made because she's got 13 grandkids. She is set for life. Anybody here have more than 13 grandkids? I don't think so, right? I might have to borrow some from her. <laughs> and what's the point of this passage? Encourage your children to give you lots of grandkids, right? So you'll be taken care of in your old age. No, that's not the point. Actually... In all seriousness, the takeaway is that if you're a son or a daughter and you have an elderly parent or a parent, it's your responsibility to take care of them, especially when your mom loses your dad. And if you're a young person and you have a grandmother, it's your responsibility to take care of her. That's God's word to you. And I would say it's your responsibility to take care of your grandfather as well. Now take a look at verse 8. Paul said, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. All right, so, so far we've learned that our responsibility, that it is the responsibility of the church to take care of the widows. It's the responsibility of children and grandchildren to, to take care of widows. Here, it says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for members of his own household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This is a very interesting verse. Why did he include this verse in this section? It's a very interesting verse. You may want to make a note of this in your Bible and circle that word anyone. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives. In the Greek, the word anyone is a masculine pronoun. It's a masculine pronoun. You will not get that by reading the English translation. Anyone could be anyone. Right? But in the Greek, you read it and go, oh, yeah, that's a masculine pronoun. 
You know it right away by reading the Greek. And a masculine pronoun means that anyone isn't anyone. The anyone is a man. It is a man. Thus, Paul said that it is the man's responsibility to take care of everyone in his family, the relatives, those in his household. Not just the widow, but it says here, everyone in his family. You can write that one down. The man of the house is responsible. And Paul said, he even went so far as to say, that if a man fails to do his job, if he doesn't provide for his relatives, for members of his own household, then he is worse than an unbeliever. It's as if he doesn't have any faith at all. And I'll paraphrase it for you this way. Don't say you're a Christian if you don't take care of your own family. That's basically what he was saying. Christ followers, because Christ followers take care of their own. And that's what we're to do. If you walk out in your children, don't tell others you're a Christian. Because Christian dads and moms don't walk out on their children. If you have an ailing family member, a struggling family member, a mom or a dad, and you don't take care of them, don't tell anyone you're a Christian because Christians don't neglect their family members. They take care of them. That's what Paul was getting at. And thus the responsibility for widows falls to the church to grandchildren and children and also to the men. There's the fourth one. The responsibility for taking care of widows falls to women, especially Christian women. Ladies, I know what you were thinking. You were thinking, oh, we dodged a bullet on this one. We don't have to do anything here. No, 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 not, that's not true. Here's what Paul said, 1 Timothy 5. Got to go down to verse 16. He said, if any believing woman has relatives who are widows, here it comes. Right, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Paul said that the Christian women in the church are to care for widows. The word care for the word care here means to render help or to provide relief. And seriously, what you need to understand about this verse is that it speaks to the issue of boundaries. That's what this is about. It's about boundaries. In other words, it is the Christian woman's responsibility to render practical aid to the Christian widow who is a woman. It's not the man's responsibility. So going back to the lady who reached out to us earlier this week, needing a ride to church or needing a ride to the doctors, this isn't something a man should do. I shouldn't go pick her up and drive her around to her appointments by myself. We shouldn't do that, right? Paul shouldn't do that. Eric shouldn't do that. But guess what? Erica can, right? Regina can. Mrs. Yang can because of the boundaries. See, it's important to observe male and female boundaries for your own protection. And that's why Paul said women are to be the primary caregivers of other women who happen to be widows. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're a man, you can't go to a widow's, widow's house because she needs to have her bathroom painted or the plumbing fixed. If you're going to go to her house, take your wife with you or take some friends with you, but don't go alone. Right? That's, that's the whole idea behind this. And so this opens up a whole new area of ministry for our church because there are so many needs. There are so many needs. Every, every week, there's no week that goes by when we don't hear of somebody having a need 
needing some help, needing help with this or help with that. And, and it's usually among those who are, who are elderly because they are getting to the point where they can't do everything. So we're looking at ways we can get a ministry going where we can serve, begin to serve the elderly in a more practical way uh, here in our church. And uh, I just, I just going to say this too. When, when a woman loses her mate, her husband, it's absolutely devastating. It's devastating. The sense of loss and loneliness and grief they experience is incomprehensible. Uh, I saw this with my own mom. After my dad died, she was inconsolable for six straight months. I mean, every day, I spoke with her every day. And every time I spoke with her, she was always crying for six straight months. And I wondered, wow, well, how will this ever end? Well, she, they had been married for 67 years. They were best friends when you, with your you lose your best friend of 67 years. Um, I don't know how you cope. I don't know how you deal with that. And so I saw that. And uh, I believe that one of the things that helped her get through her grief, with the countless numbers of, of ladies in our church who reached out to her, who called her, checked in on her, who took her meals, took her out to lunch, who spent time with her when she came to church. There were so many, too many to name. I know I'll miss a whole bunch, and a bunch of you are here today. And I will be forever grateful to you. I will be forever grateful to all of you who reached out to my mom. And then it wasn't just her, but every Sunday, her face, as she sat in the lobby after service, she would sit right there in the back with her, her other friends from her small group. And after uh, service, she would go out into the lobby and, and uh, someone would roll her out there in a wheelchair. She got to the point where she couldn't walk, and so she'd be in her wheelchair, and she would grab a plate of food like everyone else did, and her face would light up when these two little boys, Wyatt and Bryce, would come, come up to her and give her a hug. This is Wyatt. And they came up to her every single Sunday, looked for her, went up to her, and gave her a hug, and, it, and then they'd run off, Right? And it made her day, it made her week. And see, we just, and I think these are the kind of things that helped her get through this. Because when you lose your love, when you, when you lose your best friend, you know, you, you, you've lost all your companionship, you've lost your, your friendship, you've lost, you've lost that relationship. And um, those who've experienced this need our companionship. They need the emotional support. They need friendship. They need for us to come around them. And so I, I hope that, that we'll begin to do that. And I just want to say this as well. Um, the emotional loss that widowers experience is just as staggering as it is for widows. It's just as hard for widowers. The, the men need care. The, the, in fact, the, in many ways, the men are more hope, uh, helpless than the women are because oftentimes they don't cook, and now they've got to learn to do all these things that they've never done before. In the, in the case of the widow, it, she doesn't, she, maybe she didn't do the checks and, and balance the books and all those kinds of things, and now she's got to learn how to do all that and how to fill gas in her car. There's so many things that they, that they struggle with, and, and so I just want to say men need support. They need friendship. They need our care just as much as the women do. Uh, no one wants to be forgotten, and, um, and I want to add one other thing. The widows and widowers even in our church, are not all elderly. They're not all elderly. 
Some are very young. We have some very young widows and we have some very young widowers in our church, some with very young children. And they also need our care. They must not be forgotten. We, we, we've got to come around them as well. All right, so to sum it up, the responsibility for widows belongs to the church, belongs to children and grandchildren, it belongs to men, and it belongs to women. That means it belongs to all of us. We all have a responsibility. And here's some practical ways you can start to, to minister to widows starting today. First, give. Give financially, right? So make sure that there are financial, adequate financial resources for the church to help the widow in need. And check, we can check that box, right? We can check that box because you're doing that already. You're such a generous church, so we don't need you to give more money to this cause because you're doing that already. Second, plan for the future. Every one of you ought to plan for the future. Put away money in a savings account. Put away, put away money in a retirement account. Make sure you have medical insurance all the way up until the time the Lord takes you home. Make sure your wife, if you're married, make sure your wife and your children will be taken care of if something happens to you. You got a house, you got a mortgage, and something happens to you, and suddenly your income is gone. Make sure there's a way for that house to be taken care of so that your wife doesn't have to suddenly figure out how she's going to go to work because she's got, because she can't, and she can't because she's got three children to take care of at home. Make sure your wife and your children are taken care of, and start early. The sooner you plan, the sooner you, the, the better you prepared you will be. Proverbs twenty one five says, "The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance." Got that? The plans of the diligent surely will lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. If you plan diligently for the future, then the church won't be burdened. Third, consider what God would have you do. Just very simple ways to love and care, not just for widows, but for widowers. In fact, for all the elderly in our church. It may be something as simple as giving someone a hug when you see them. Always, always greet the elderly. You know, say hello to me, right? Because I'm one of them now, right? It may be a phone call. Checking in on somebody. It may be delivering a meal to them once a week. When you make dinner on a Monday night, just make a little extra and take it over to, to someone. Uh, it may be taking someone out to lunch. It may be making yourself available to drive someone to the doctor's appointment or bring them to church. It may be going over to someone's house just to help them clean or just to take out the trash and put it in. There's an elderly lady in our church. She's a widow, and I take out her trash every single Wednesday night, and I take it back in on a Thursday. Do that. I've been doing that for years. Whatever you do, and whatever you do, also observe appropriate boundaries. So what would God have you do? What would he do, have you do? Now, if you've been around here for any length of time, you will know that my wife Cheryl loves the continent and the people of Africa. And I love to brag about her because I'm so proud of her. But she loves the continent of people of Africa. She's been to Guinea in West Africa once, to Uganda at least nine times. She's traveled there with teams. She's traveled there alone by herself. And it doesn't matter to her that it takes 25 hours to get there. She goes there because she loves the people and she loves serving the people. She loves the children. And this, this last year, she had the opportunity to help deliver a baby at Sherry Roberts Medical Clinic. She's already planning to go back next year in 2023. I don't, I've stopped asking her if she's going. I just ask her when she's going because I know she's going. It's just part of what she does every single year. She's going to Africa. She's going to Uganda. And you could say, I think it's fair to say, she has a special place in her heart 
for Africa. She has a special place in her heart for Uganda. And that's true with some of you. You also have a special place in your heart for, for Africa. Your special heart, place in your heart may not be for Uganda. Maybe you have a special place in your heart for the Philippines. Or maybe you have a special place in your heart for China. Or maybe you have a special place in your heart for, for Japan or for Mexico or for Colombia. Or maybe you have a special place in your heart for the youth or for the poor or for foster children. In this last year, Pastor Igor and Lena and the people of Ukraine came to, have, came to occupy a special place in my heart. And I know they came to occupy a special place in your heart as well. As we have just literally fallen in love with them. And have gotten to care for them and pray for them all the time. I hear from, I, I hear from so many of you every single week saying, hey, did you hear this about Uganda or, or Ukraine? Did you hear this about Ukraine? And I want to give more money to Ukraine. And I'm constantly hearing from you on that. You know, Lorraine sends me that photo of what's going on in Ukraine. You have a special place in your heart for Ukraine. And whenever you have a special place in your heart for someone or someplace, whenever you hear that, the name of that place or you see that person and you hear that person's name, your ears perk up. Perk up. And maybe a smile will sweep across your face as they come to mind because your heart is so big for them. Well, guess what? The same is true with God. God has a special place in his heart for widows and orphans. A special place in his heart just for them. I love Psalm 68, verse 5. It says, Father of the fatherless and protector of the widows is God in his holy habitation." God has a special place in his heart for orphans and widows. There it is right there. He is their protector and he is their, their caregiver. In Luke 7, there's a neat story about a widow. Uh, I want to close with just a bunch of scriptures here. You're going to love these. There's a neat story about a widow who lost her son, her fairly young son, young adult son, I believe. And he was all she had. He was all she had. And losing him, because she was a widow, losing him meant that, because it was his responsibility to care for her, but losing him meant that she wouldn't have anyone to care for her. It was probably meant that she would be assigned to a life of destitution. Take a look at what happened. Luke chapter 7, starting verse 11. It says, Soon after he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as Jesus drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out. The only son of his mother, she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. And then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And there's report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Such a great story. Such a great story. What is missed, what is so often missed when we read this story is why Jesus raised this young man from the dead. Why did he do it? Well, he didn't raise him for the man's sake. He didn't raise the man for his sake. He raised the man for his mother's sake because he knew that without her son, she would be doomed to live a life of poverty. And that wasn't okay. 
And so Jesus raised him from the dead so that he could continue to be with his mother and provide for his mother. You see what, we, what this story shows us is the special place that Jesus had in his heart for the widow. And so he did this miracle for the son and the mother. He also had a special place in his heart for another widow. Her name was Mary. She was about to be a widow, and that was his earthly mother. As Jesus hung on a cross waiting to die, he knew that his mother, Mary, his human mother, Mary, would be in dire straits after he was gone. So what did he do as he hung on the cross? He looked upon the crowd that had gathered, including his mother. And in John 19, verse 26, it says, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, the disciple whom he loved that was standing nearby was a reference to John, the apostle John. He always identified himself in the gospel of John as the disciple whom Jesus loved. When Jesus saw his mother and he saw John standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, he said to John, John, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his home. John basically said, Jesus basically said to John, John, my mother is now your mother. Take care of her. My mother is now your mother. Please take care of her. See, he had a special place in his heart, not just because that was his mom, but he had a special place in his heart because she would be a widow. And he didn't, she, he didn't want her to go wanting. He wanted her to be provided for. So he gave that to John. Finally, God's heart for widows is so big that in Deuteronomy 27, 19, these are kind of sobering, I want to tell you. These are kind of sobering. A curse was pronounced on all those who mistreat widows and orphans. Deuteronomy 27, 19 says, Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourners, the fatherless, and the widow. Cursed be them who pervert justice, who pervert and, and harm the widows, and all the people shall say amen. And check this one out, Exodus 22, 22 and 23. This one is kind of scary. It says, you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. You shall not mistreat any widow or orphan. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword and your wife shall become widows and your children fatherless. God takes this so seriously. That's the point. God takes this so seriously. He has a special place in his heart for widows. And when we mistreat them, it, he, it makes them go crazy. So the point is this. Don't, don't mess with widows. right? Don't mess with them. Don't mess with orphans. For all the scammers who are out there, there's so many scammers. You hear about them all the time in the news. For all the scammers who prey on the elderly, watch out. And I know there aren't any in here, but watch out because you are in God's crosshairs. And if you don't treat your parents and grandparents with respect and care, and, and you try to defraud them, and you try to take advantage of them, and you try to use them, and you try to get everything out of them, beware. Because God knows what you're up to, and one day you will have to answer to him. Final takeaway is this. Have on your heart what is on God's heart. Widows and orphans. Love them, care for them, provide for them, spend time with them because they occupy a special place in God's heart. 
And if they occupy a special place in God's heart, then they ought to occupy a special place in our hearts. After all, a day is coming when most of us, probably all of us, will walk in their shoes. And when we do, we can be comforted in knowing that God has a special place in his heart for us too. Let's close our time in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for clearly showing us what our responsibility is to the people who occupy a very special place in your heart. And Father, may widows and orphans, and it says here even foreigners, have a special place in our hearts. Lord, forgive us for all the ways that we may have failed you in this area, for not being more concerned, for not being more caring toward, toward the elderly, especially toward those who have lost their loved ones. Father, will you do a work in us? Will you sow compassion and mercy in us so that when we see our neighbor in need, when we see them hurting, we'll always be willing to step up whether it's the children or the grandchildren, whether it's the man of the house, whether it's the Christian ladies in our church. Father, I pray that you would ignite a fire under us. I pray that you would create a ministry in our church so big that we can't, we gotta keep turning people away because we need to reach out and we need to care for those who are widows among us. And Father, every one of us is going to get there. Every one of us is going to get to a place where we lose loved ones. And it's so hard. But thank you, God, for showing us the way, for showing us what we can do. Do a work in us, God. Do a work in us. And Father, for all those who have lost a husband or a wife, even a father or mother, Father, I ask for your mercy and your comfort to come upon them and touch them. And Father, may it come upon us as well that we might offer comfort, that we might offer friendship and companionship and care. Lord, thanks for the church. Thanks for putting us here. Thanks for making it clear what we need to do. Now help us to be your people and do what you want us to do. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.